Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit. Uh, question for you. How do you disciple somebody with emotional health coming into the church? Imagine this. Imagine having a family of five kids a husband and wife with a broken marriage. Uh, two of the kids uh, have tried to commit suicide. One has been actually placed into uh, Lower Ridge, which is a place for mental health. Um, and here we come into the church. This is my family. How do you disciple them? And that's not including the stuff I was dealing with. I had no clue what it was to be a father, no clue what it was to be a husband. And I was struggling with my own emotional health, which was through post-traumatic stress disorder from being in combat. And here we are, and we need discipleship. What do you do as a church? Well, that's what this study is. We were able to, I had the blessing of being able to go to the Equip Conference here in Divine, Texas, and teach. I had two sessions, and this will actually be broken up probably into four teachings because they gave us two full-hour sessions. And so you'll hear some of my testimony in this. You'll hear some of the things that our church did as I came and our family came into the church. Some of the things that were suggested to us to do, which was biblical counseling for our marriage. And so it's I hope this helps you. If you have your Bible, we'll be actually in Psalm 23, and then we'll also be in Joshua chapter 1. And so we'll go through this bit by bit, piece by piece through the scripture as well. So this is a teaching, just FYI. We will go verse by verse through the, the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1. I think it's chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, if I remember right. But I hope that you enjoy this. So the beginning of it, again, is me sharing a little bit about my testimony, our family's testimony, and as we're coming into the church, and and just the reality of what people are dealing with, not only in the church, but also as they become new believers and come into the church, and how does a church disciple within that. And so that's what these teachings are. I hope that you enjoy them. This is the first half of this four-part study. This is the second half of this four-part study. Do you know that your pastors all get together for breakfast every Wednesday? See, I, he knows. They know. Why do we do that? We need it. It's discipleship. We build each other up. We pray for each other. There are things that are happening, you know, that we're praying for. We're praying for y'all's building. I know that there, that 
they had talked about that. And I was like, man, we're praying for what God is doing. I'm praying for y'all to go to three services. Praise God. I'm praying that the parking lot problem gets fixed. And y'all have four services. I know Dan will be tired, but hey. <laughs> There's enough people around this community. Our job, and, and, and Dan agrees with me, our job is we're not in competition with each other. Our job is to grow the kingdom of God. That's what the job is of the churches. And this church belongs to Jesus and our church belongs to Jesus. And we forget that. When we, when we look at the, the generation that's coming up, the generation that's going to be coming into your church, Generation Z, it's important for you to understand who you're going to be discipling. They struggle with depression, anxiety, loneliness, and suicide. When they were asked how their mental health was, only 15% said it was excellent. That is 85% that is struggling with some sort of mental health issue. And here they come into your church. And what are you going to tell them? How are you going to, how are you going to preach to them? How are you going to minister to them? How are you going to disciple them? Do you realize this is the next generation of the church? And, and the generation Z, actually 30% of them now identify as LGBTQIA. And the generation that's coming after that is going to be worse. The struggles with the teens that we're having now is, is we're seeing that, that loneliness, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts are very real. More than four out of 10 students are feeling persistently sad and hopeless. Four out of 10. One out of five students seriously consider attempting suicide. One in 10 attempted suicide. And this is the thing that should break. I know for dads, for me, I got girls. Three out of five girls attending middle school and high school struggle. Three out of five girls are struggling with loneliness, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and depression. Three out of five girls. If you have daughters, you should be concerned. And one in 10 teenage girls will either deal with rape or sexual abuse. Let that sink into your head for a second. One in 10 will deal with rape or sexual abuse. Now, one of the things that we've done and, and, and I will continue to do as long as the Lord allows us to do it is we've been going to the schools. So we've already been to Lytle High School three times and we've been to Divine High School. We actually were able to have an open assembly last year and we had, I think, over 80 kids come to faith. We had over 200 in, in Lytle this past fall. But it does me no good to have them come to faith if the churches are not ready to disciple them. Okay? So what, what do we do? Is it, is it a Calvary Chapel thing? No, I don't care. I'm growing the kingdom of God. Okay? That's, that's step one. I'm growing the kingdom of God. It's not a Calvary Chapel thing. It's not a First Baptist divine thing. We're, we're there growing the kingdom of God. That's what we're there to do. So when we go to Lytle, what do we have? We have the Lytle pastors and the youth pastors there. We have people ready there to receive them, pray with them, talk with them, because they're, where do they live? In Lytle. When we were here in Divine, Dan was there. Carlos was there. Pastor Dan Yurte was there. We had the youth pastors there. Why? Because we need to make sure that the, the kids are being discipled. 
You have a youthful life group here in Divine. Did y'all know that? It started because Miss Bailey. Y'all know Miss Bailey. Miss Strickers. Yeah. They wanted to start something. And now God is moving and using that. And it's continued this year. And guess what? They're trying to plan something for the spring. They're trying to do a fields of faith in the spring. And we're trying to help them. I have no clue how we're going to do it. But we're going to try. And guess what? I know that we're going the right direction because the first first meeting we were supposed to have, what happened? That's when we got a little bit of ice and they thought it was going to freeze and so the meeting got canceled. Second meeting was, was supposed to happen this past week. What happened? The water main burst. So I know the devil doesn't want this to go down, but you know what's crazy? It's Miss Hillary, who's the president of the club now. Do you know why she wants to do Fields of Faith? Because she saw what happened in the high school. And she wants to see the parents come to faith. She don't want just the kids to get it. She wants the families to get it. These are your youth. They're hungry and they're out trying to share the gospel. And, and this is what we've been called to do. We forget, you know, as, as the early church, Paul emphasized discipleship. He did three things, really. He, there were three things that were important to Paul. One, Hey, you're going to go through afflictions. He would preach that. The church don't preach that no more. You know, that was our vision for 2024 for the church. Get ready. You're going to go through afflictions. When it happens, let's bring people into the presence of God. The other thing that Paul spoke about was discipleship. It was important to Paul. He sent Timothy in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. It says, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you for the benefit of your faith. So when the young church was hurting, when the young church was going through affliction, he sends Timothy. And how can he send Timothy? Because Paul did life with Timothy. He sowed into Timothy. I told our church, every one of you need to have a Timothy in your life. You need to be sowing into somebody. So that way, when you can't go, send Timothy. Right? That's what you're supposed to do. You got to go to the hospital, bring Timothy with you. You got to go speak to somebody at a funeral, bring Timothy with you. Somebody gets sick or they get a diagnosis, you bring Timothy with you. Because one day you can't go and Timothy can't. To strengthen them and build them up in their faith. That's, that's what our role is as an early church. We forgot this. If you look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Y'all can let me know when y'all get there. It's easy for us because we have it on the tablet. So it's just like quick. So anytime you think the pastor's really quick, it's in the notes on the tablets, but it's already there. They don't have to flip through the book, you know. Acts chapter 2, verses 42. One of the things that we do as a, as a Calvary chapel, and, and it's just one of our distinctives that we have, and we don't have, you know, we, we take a very balanced approach at stuff, but one of the things that we do is, is these four things for every ministry. Every ministry that we have, we do these four things. If you're going to lead one of my ministries in our church, if you don't do this, you're not leading it. It's that simple. Because this is what the early church did. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship in verse 42, and to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. The apostles' teaching is for us is the word of God. They devoted themselves to it. They devoted themselves to it. And, and then they had the 
fellowship, which is koinia. It is not a potluck. Okay? Koinia, do you know what koinia is? Koinia is actually where you're admonishing each other with the word of God. You're building each other up. You're, you're even correcting somebody if you have to. But you have the word of God stored up on your heart and you cannot disciple somebody if it's not stored on your heart because they don't need your words. They need God's words. They need to hear something from God. And Chuck used to always say, like, when you, when you have koinia, there's two things that you have. You have two ears and one mouth. You need to listen more than you talk. And then when it's time to talk, you bring them the word. And then we have the breaking of the bread and prayer. The church has to make that an emphasis again of prayer. Like every time that our ministries come together, these four things are supposed to happen. Why? Breaking of bread. I want y'all to read down a little bit further. This is the beautiful birth of the early church. Everyone keeping a feeling, a sense of awe. So there's a reverence to God. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers together had all things in common, and they would sell their property and possessions and share with them all to the extent that anyone who had need day by day continually with one mind in the temple. So that is not socialism, all right? Because I've heard this on progressives, which drives me crazy. What that was is there were people being thrown out of their houses. There were people losing their financial stability. They were, they were being thrown out of their jobs. You had mothers that lost their husbands because they were killed for the way or they were put in jail. And so they were coming together to try to help each other. So it's not socialism. I've heard that preached and it drives me crazy. But it says day by day, continually with one mind in the temple. They went to church. They spent time together and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with some of the people. No, all. So when you go and you, hey, we're going to have this thing. You bring somebody with you. Bring somebody with you. Hey, man, they're cooking tonight. Somebody's in there. They cook for you. They, they fed you. Come and eat, man. Bring somebody with you. And, and you don't get to choose who you bring. Your church should look like H-E-B. Hello. <laughs> when you go to H-E-B, you got everybody in there, right? That's how your church should look. That's, that's, that's all, right? That's all. And some of you go, I'd rather have the H-E-B people than the Walmart people. But that's all. All of them. Right? You get them all. <laughs> but they were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And catch the end of this. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you think the church has overcomplicated things? We have. Keep it simple. Just keep it simple. Discipleship should be that. Discipleship is you actually living life with that person. And that will get messy. Because you're going to be dealing with all these other things that come into the church. And it was somebody for us that, that took the time to disciple me when I came in with all my mess. And poor Joe listened to all my 
I'm sure there were times he's ready to throw me out the door. But can I tell you one of the beautiful things that happened is when we came into the church, we had to deal with a 22-year mess of marriage. We had 22 years of broken marriage and a broken family. So the first thing that has to get fixed is the marriage. So we did biblical counseling. We did biblical counseling. We went outside the church and we had biblical marriage, marriage counseling. So sometimes you will have to send people out and that's okay. That's what stitch is for. And, and, and so we, we started working on our marriage and I knew I was in trouble because when we had our first session, I'm 39 years old. And the first session, my wife goes, when he was 17, I was like, oh, this is going to be, let's not do a lot. She went back to when we were 17. We've known each other since high school. She sat behind me in Wichita Falls, Texas. Her dad and my dad were both Air Force. And I was like, Lord, I was a mess at 17. So this is going to be a while. <laughs> and, and can I tell you, one of the things that we started doing was just practically applying the word of God in our life. Was it hard? Yes. Were there tears? Yes. Were there moments like, well, why does God do this like this? Yes. But there was somebody to walk us through that. For me, it was Pastor Louis Delgado and many others. And, and they would, I, I can remember, they would let me talk. And then they would say, well, look, Mike, let's go to the Word of God and see what God's Word says. No, I want to keep talking. I want to be in my feelings. No, we got, it's time to get to the word of God. It's, it's understanding like, and you have to understand, I was going through, when I, when I came back from Iraq, I couldn't understand. I can still remember walking to the mall in Louisville. We were stationed in Fort Knox, Kentucky. I think it was a Saturday after I got back on Friday or something like that. And everybody was just going on with their lives. And I couldn't understand it. My wife tried to wake me up. I almost choked her. I, I, I was on the 50 cal mount. You know, it's, it was crazy. And this is just the Lord is, is Lavelle, my, the driver that I had reached out to me this past week. And I haven't talked to Lavelle in over 30 years. He has MS. All of us are sick. And I told him, he asked me, how are you doing? I said, I'm all right, man. I, I, they diagnosed me with porphyria, which is what the Vietnam vets have. That's what happens when you get exposed to chemical. This is why I don't trust my government that much. <laughs> I'm very hesitant when they ask me to do the thing. And so what happens with my body is my blood will actually, when it gets through my liver, it pushes too much oxygen through. And, and it, it's, it's painful. But that's just one of the things. The original thing that they found out I had was autoimmune disease called Sjogren's. And so I wake up in pain and I go to bed in pain. I deal with it all the time. And I was struggling with that as I was coming back from the war. And then we got stationed in Hawaii. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not going to sit here and try to glorify the sin that I was in, but I was a very sinful man in Hawaii. Suicidal. And many times, Coming down the mountains, driving over 90 miles an hour, ready to go off the side at any moment because I was done. 
See, in the Army at that time, there was no PTSD. We were told when we out-processed in Egypt, if you want to go home tonight, you can go home tonight. If you want to talk to the psychologist or the psychiatrist, you'll be here another three to four days or ever. how many days they want to hold you. What do you want to do? Everybody went home. Then when we got home, what did they tell us to do? Put that stuff away. Tuck it away. And let me tell you something. You can't tuck it away. And, and could I tell you something else? Location doesn't change it. We moved from Hawaii to San Antonio to Georgia to San Antonio back to Georgia. And every time it followed me. And every time I thought I had a handle on it, it come back up. Until I got to a point in 2008 when my wife was like, that's it. You need help. So I went to the VA. And the first thing the VA wanted to do was medicate me. And so I, my, my thought was, is like, I, I told him, I said, let me just talk to somebody first and then we can, <coughs> we can look at whatever y'all think we need to do. Now, in 2008, the same time I'm talking to the VA guy, I started going to church. And by 2009, things started changing. And the therapist at the VA was like, what's going on? And I told him I'm going to church. I gave my life to Christ. And over the next six months, he's like, well, Mike, you don't need this anymore. You're good. And I can tell you, it had nothing to do with that therapist. It was God. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 